So imagine this. You're sitting in Willard Strait Hall. Or for all you people who don't go to Cornell, imagine a large room with people studying, people snacking, clubs with tables set up. And you see this guy. He's wearing a light gray suit. He's got large rimmed glasses, a striped tie, clipped beard, maybe 20 or 30 years old. And he's got a sign and it says free advice. So what do you do? You walk up to him, of course, and you ask him for some free advice. And then you ask him if he wants to be interviewed for your podcast. And then you find out that he's a minor celebrity who was invited to Cornell to set up an exhibit at the Johnson Art Museum. And he just happened to be giving out free advice for one hour of his busy day. And you bumped into him and had this long conversation with him. So this week, we explore free advice, consultation, absolution, a little bit of religion, and uh, a little phenomenon called subway therapy. So stick around. Hi, I'm Cynthia. And I'm Clara. And you're listening to... Voices. 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 Yeah. Like the word? Yeah. Voices. All right, before you start recording, come yeah. up with what you're going to ask me. I like how he's giving us advice on how to do our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make our lives better. I'm a gardener right. of the mind. So this is Levy, the guy we randomly met in Willard Strait Hall. Yeah, so I go by Levy when I'm doing subway therapy, which is the project that I'm known for, and but, but my name is Matthew. Okay, and where did you... Uh, come up with levy um a levy is an embankment next to a river mm, <laughs> right. and when in, during times of inclement weather and the levy the levy stops the water from flooding the nearby area and causing catastrophe oh. so i think that human emotion is like water and there's time there's periods of time where people uh are overflowing and it's good to have a levy around <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> to keep, to keep so your energy in the right track. So levy runs a project called Subway Therapy. I actually don't call myself a therapist because because of legal reasons. I'm not oh, I'm right. not a licensed therapist. I'm yeah. just a guy. He was actually a very comforting guy to talk to. I felt like I was in therapy myself, like ha, like I would be ever in a therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the project. I do a project called Subway Therapy. I wouldn't really call it an art project, but a lot of people do think it's art. Mm-hmm. So I just I talk to people that don't have anyone else to talk to. I see. In the subway systems in New York City. Why do people think it's art? So there's a performative aspect of it. I dress up in a brown suit and I wear the exact same thing every time, and I've built it into the iconography of the project. And I've, you know, I have this. I have. I have a. There are parts of it that that are very artistic in other people's minds because it, it, it's both a project that provides a service to the community but also it it is a project that is carefully crafted in a way that l- resembles art and then also after the election I brought sticky notes into the subway with me 
because I thought people wouldn't be able to talk. And tens of thousands of people wrote sticky notes and put them up. And, and that really looked like art because it was a, a mosaic landscape of human emotion. find immediate um, reactions from people after having consulted with them or giving them advice you know do you see relief yeah. on their face or something yeah one of my favorite stories and actually it really got me going on the subway therapy track in the first place is, is uh, I, I was originally doing New York secret keeper I had a little sign that said secret keeper people could tell me there was one woman who <laughs> came up to me and said can I, just, I don't, don't want to write anything down. I just want. I just want to talk to you. I was like, "That's cool." And and she goes, "I hate my boyfriend's ex-wife, and they still talk a lot. And I hate my boyfriend's best friend, who's a girl. And they slept together. And I just, I, I just don't like it. And I was like, I hate him too. <laughs> we had this really funny conversation." And at the end, she was like, oh, my gosh, I feel awesome. This is great. This is like therapy. And I thought, hmm, that's really funny. I'm going to start dressing in a suit and put up some wall art and, and be like a therapist in the subway and see, and see if people will like that. And they did. <laughs> they, they did. Then we talked to Levy about if he thinks what he's doing has an impact on people. Is he actually changing people's lives? If it helps people, that's awesome. If people have like a really serious issue they want to talk to me about, an eating disorder, a problem in a relationship, um, work stress, they talk to me about those things, it's amazing. And I think that it's really helpful and that's great. But if people come up and they think it's just a joke or they think it's an art piece or they assume I'm a student somewhere, mm -hmm. or if they just walk by and smile because they think it's interesting, that's awesome. But my original idea was to f explore through action how people feel better about the things that they feel bad about. How people feel better about but the things that they, they feel, feel bad, bad about. about. Right. Wait, I'm kind of confused about I, that. So absolution as a topic or concept is really inaccessible to many people in the secular world. And when I say that, I mean... Oh, like, we never people, feel resolved? Yeah, like, you can go into a confession booth if you're religious, and you can release whatever it is that's weighing you down. And someone will give you a recipe for feeling better. They'll say, like, I've listened to you. It's okay. You're forgiven do this thing and then it's gone like it's gone if you really believe that you're done and that's awesome <laughs> like how cool would it be if you could feel like that more in life uh yes well within our catholic Greek tradition we have what is called sacraments this is reverend jerry from the cornell catholic community seven sacraments one of the sacraments is called the Sacrament of Reconciliation, where people go to a priest asking for the forgiveness of their sin. Uh, the priest uh, is there as a representative. It's God who forgives our sins. But it's important to have it concretized in some way. As secular people, we decided to interview Reverend Jerry to learn more about how absolution and confession work in the Catholic Church. So it's a sacrament of forgiveness, sacrament of reconciliation, also called penance. Uh, confession 
has many names, but it's it's really um, an attempt to help us deal with uh, the, the reality of our brokenness and our need for healing and to be able to be freed from guilt. So unlike a therapy session, members of the Catholic Church are often expected to perform a penance after or during confession. Uh, yes, well they, right, they state and then what we have is they, they're given like a penance, uh, which is something either to do, maybe uh, make amends to someone or do something extra kind to someone who or pray for someone who you're really having a hard time with. Or sometimes it's just simply to say some prayers, uh, Our Father, Hail Mary, whatever. So for your penance, do this, and then I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, and then that wrongdoing is essentially like sort of cleared once you've done your penance? Yeah, so that you can kind of have a clean slate and begin again. So it's not to say that I will never <laughs> do wrong again, but it's to be able to try to move forward now. So evidently, confession is really good for letting people in the Catholic Church release weight off their shoulders. And going back to Levy, I think he saw a real need for that in the secular world. I think a lot of people feel bad for, for without without real reason to continue feeling bad. They just feel bad about stuff. They don't have anybody to talk to about it. It's a lot of people that carry weight. So I, so I started this project so that I could be there for people that don't have anyone else to talk to. I have family and friends, and, and I talk to them when I'm not doing well or I feel bad about something and I need relief. Um, and if people have religion or access to therapy, they can, they can maybe feel that. But what about people who don't have any of that stuff? Mm. What do they do? Yeah, therapy for yeah secular world. Yeah. Mm. So the original concept was absolution, and the seeker keeper was more of a, hey, it's heavy for you, but it's not heavy for me, so give it to me, and I'll carry it for you. It's my secret now, and you don't have to be so concerned about being weighed down by it. So do you feel weighed down now, that you have so many people's secrets? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Um, I really like helping people, and it, it, it keeps me better. I'm doing better if I'm helping other people, just as a, as a constant in my life. So after speaking with Levy about his project, we actually decided to test him out with his subway therapy skills. This is Clara's story. We were like texting the other day and he said something like, I'm not planning to live past my 40s at mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. And then I just didn't know what to say to that. This is me asking Levy for help with my friend who's been into drugs for a while. Did you ever express that, saying, like, I don't want you to drink? I think that you should I don't, take your drinks. I don't, like, spend enough time with him that it would be, like, like, he, we're, like, so separated at this point that if I wanted to just cut him out and, like, leave him behind, I could. And, like, I feel like we're, I don't know. I feel you. We're not close enough that I can be like, you're really hurting me when you drink, because oh. to be honest, like, we're not interacting that much, but mm. like, sometimes I just think about him, like, sitting alone in his room drinking, and that makes me sad. <laughs> sure. Oh. So. I think that you have a curse that many people who empathize with others have. Because you're putting yourself inside of him, and 
you would be sad <laughs> if you were drinking by yourself. Yeah, but you don't know not exactly being how he's feeling. Right. Like he's not, you know, doing anything but drinking. Well, he told me he's depressed, so... Uh -oh. <laughs> then he should maybe do something about that. Yeah. You can ask me, you know, if he's like, I'm depressed, and you say, like, well, let's do something about that. And you can introduce a we in there, I think. You can say, like, if you're depressed, like, let's do stuff, you know? Or let's think of ways that you can not be depressed. Mm. Like, mm. Or what does he think he can do? Because if he's just going to be this guy that's like, I'm depressed, and then he's going to be like that for the rest of his life, that's probably not somebody that you want around in your life. If you're, How do you know that that person is like intrinsically that way? Like, they're always going to be that way, though. You'll just know. And you'll know through conversation. You'll say, like, hey, have you ever thought about doing X, Y, Z, going to therapy? Maybe talking to somebody professional that could really help. Have you thought about trying different things in your life that could change the way that you interact with the world mentally and physically? Change in diet, uh, you know, going for walks in the morning, exercising, not drinking as much. Like there's, there's a ton of things that you can try doing that combat depression. And if, he, if he's like, I'm depressed, and that's it, and he has no interest in doing anything else, and he does that over a very long period of time, then they don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. how much time do you want to spend? Are you willing to, to spend a week of your life trying to help him out? Sure. Are you willing to spend a month of your life? Mm, I don't know. Are you willing to spend a year of your life? Probably not. Are you willing to spend 10 years of your life? No. Are you willing to go to his funeral and be really sad? But you feel like you tried 20 years from now when he's dead because he didn't reach 40. Do you feel like you... Do you feel good that you spent 20 years trying your hardest and even though you didn't do other things that you could have done with that time, you felt like you tried 20 uh, years from now at his funeral? 20 years is a really long time. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of giving you, like, this extreme scenario so that, so that you can take a step back and look at it from farther away. Mm-hmm. Time to go. I don't know. Let me see. Hello? Hi, how are you? Yes, I am, actually. I got caught up in a conversation. I'm being interviewed by two lovely students who are doing a podcast. I actually felt pretty shaken up and emotionally drained by the end of that interview. But did it feel better to get it off my chest? Yeah, it did. Having that feeling and thinking about this entire episode, I started to wonder, in general, do people need someone to talk to who doesn't know them well, who isn't a close friend or relative? I pose this question to Reverend Jerry. Yes, I do think it's a, I do think it's a need, quite frankly. Um, and uh, one other thing about in our sacrament of confession, it's absolutely confidential. People knowing that, they're safe. And they can talk about things that they would not be able to reveal to anyone else. And, and sometimes, you know, you can't share with the person who you're closest to some of the issues because they, uh, either they may not understand or it may be about them, you know, uh, or um, you just feel like you're, you know, I just can't talk with this person 
about this. So those are the two things, absolute confidentiality and um, being able to uh, get something out that, that has been eating away at me and is really taking away my serenity and my freedom to move on with my life. I think the bottom line here is we do feel a need to unload on strangers. And now we've actually seen that the practice of confession, of absolution, of therapy, doesn't have to be religious or through a paid professional either. Sometimes just spilling to a random stranger can be enough. So thank you to Levy for letting us interview him. Thank you to uh, Reverend Jerry for the additional interview. Thanks to Diana Gruber for her song Neon, which we sampled as part of this podcast. You can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash voices dash podcast. And don't forget to tune in to WBBR and WRFI. Last thing to say, confess your sins. <laughs> If you have something weighing you down, spit it, it out. out. <laughs> <laughs>